are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. I have such an interesting conversation for you this week. I sat down with triathlete and triathlon coach Kirsten Lewis, who at the age of 57 just ran her fastest 5K time, post-menopause, just a year and a half after she was ready to hang up her racing shoes and walk away from triathlon while in the throes of the menopause transition. I've been watching Kirsten for a while as part of our social media community, and somewhere over the past year, she started posting these really provocative posts about being on her Shiro's journey in triathlon and how she had decided that though she was happy to have information about menopause and believed in education, she had made a decision to step back and change her perspective from trying to fix what was happening to her to embracing the transition she was in as a positive beginning and the chance to reflect and create new possibilities. She describes this experience as rewilding, which is as it sounds, going back to the roots of what it means to be a woman in menopause, going back to her own roots, and stepping into her power. The big overarching goal of this podcast is to share advice and stories, because every one of our journeys is different. That's why I bring in such a wide array of guests from multiple-time world champions to self-described back-of-the-pack athletes women who have had success with hormone therapy, and women who have had success without it. My hope is you'll find a nugget in each of these conversations that resonates with you and helps inform your own journey. And if not, at least I hope you leave with a new perspective to consider and that you've been entertained for an hour. I got all of the above out of this week's conversation with Kirsten, and I hope you love it as much as I did. Kirsten was a Wall Street executive in a previous 20-year career. She has a degree in photojournalism and now creates and shares her story about her journey. Her dream is that women in midlife step into their personal power and create their new possible, essentially shifting the current narrative of our society. You can learn more about Kirsten and her racing and coaching at kl.life and on Instagram at Kirsten Braddy Lewis. And I'll put clickable links to both of those in the show notes. Okay, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to everyone who has subscribed to the Hit Replay podcast guide service so far. I super appreciate you. If you missed it, the Hit Replay podcast guide service is a service where I go and give you the cliff notes from each episode and they're dropped into your inbox each week. I go through the show, pull out all the salient points and put them in a clear, digestible format along with the guest's advice and recommendations. I include links to studies, products, and anything else you need to put what we covered in that show into action in your life. You can find that at feistymenopause.com. And of course, it helps support the show. As always, you can find us at Feisty Menopause on Instagram and Facebook. We have our private and ever-growing Hit Play Not Pause Facebook group where you can come in and join the conversations. If you have ideas for the show, hit me up at hitplaynotpause at lifeisty.com. Thank you, as always, for your continued ratings, positive reviews, hearts, stars. I thank you all. If you like the show, kindly subscribe and share it with your friends on your socials. It helps us to grow and for me to keep bringing you great guests. Finally, I'd like to give a quick thank you to NutriSense for their continued support of this show. I know a lot of women want to get a handle on how to manage their blood sugar, and there's no better way than seeing it in real time. So thanks again. Okay, enough of me. Let's have a few words about our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. Okay, well, Kirsten, thank you for coming on the show. I've been watching you since I started this, honestly, not like I'm stalking, I'm not a stalker, but you know, you've sort of been in the feeds and I just like, I like your attitude. I like how you, you, you know, you put yourself out there and I've just been sort of picking up on just some of this terminology you use like rewilding and 
and the positivity that emanates from you. And that's what sort of drew me. I've been thinking for months, I'm like, I've got to have this woman on the show. And finally, I just sent you a message. <laughs> I was just like, would you come on the show? And I'm, I'm so happy you're here. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to talk about this. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a subject that uh, I just wish more women would talk about and knew about. And, you know, that's why, like, on my Instagram, I don't say, like, a ton about it because I'm not sure who really wants to talk about it. But I am super psyched to talk about it here because this platform is just like amazing that you have. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm game to, to tell everybody what I've been doing and, and, you know, how it's working and, and all that kind of stuff. I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's set a little bit of a stage before we dive right into that. So how long have you been in the sport of triathlon? So I've been in triathlon for a bit over 10 years, so maybe like 12 years. And it's kind of an on and off relationship for me. It's it's like I was in it and then, you know, kind of got distracted and did a few other things for a few years and then kind of came back. And every time I get distracted and move away from it, I'm like, no, this is not working. I have to, I have to get back to the sport. I need all three sports. Mm, interesting. <laughs> to, to <feel> whole. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting because during my um, menopause times, I'm in post menopause now. So during menopause, I actually stepped back into triathlon. So I did kind of the opposite of what I saw a lot of other women doing and I kind of used it as a way for me to um, just kind of get regrounded and get refocused and, and, you know, have new goals and things like that. So recently, you know, I've been, I've been pretty back into it. And, it, and it's a pretty integral part of my menopause journey, which is kind of part of the rewilding subject that we're talking about. So, um, so yeah, recently. When did you enter the menopause transition? Because you're, you're 50. I will be 58 in a couple months. So okay. uh, I really have been post-menopause for a bit over a year. And I was in the throes, and I can just kind of take you through it because it's kind of interesting. I was in the throes like real menopause land in... 2017, 2018. And you know, it's funny because I, um, I, I look at my times in life, you know, recently with um, marking it through like what races I was doing. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> so I was, yes, I was <laughs> it's kind of a, like a funny, you know, life, lifestyle thing, I guess, for us. But, uh, but in 2018, I was doing um, Ironman 70.3. Indian Wells, which is the Palm Springs race. And I was in real deep menopause land. I was having like major amounts of hot flashes, uh, lots of menopause symptoms, um, some anxiety and some things like that, playing with lots of different kinds of nutrition scenarios. You know, I was just like, how am I going to deal with all this? And so I'm in that race, which is in December. And at that same time, Within weeks after that race, my daughter uh, uh, had a, you know, found out she was pregnant, had a surprise pregnancy as a teenager. So she's 15 years old. So that, so how many years? 17 old? at the time. Mm. So it was a pretty interesting experience for me because we're both going through interesting things, <laughs> challenges. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> and, uh, and so my menopause symptoms just got, I mean, it was just like crazy off the wall. It was the stress levels were like super high. Um, and then she gave birth in uh, 2019. And so then she had the birthing experience and I'm still in menopause. And really, um, things just got worse for me. It was just like more anxiety and um, was just really having a hard time getting a handle on life and, and all that. And then, of course, we moved to 2020, 2021, and we, hit, we had the pandemic hit. So during all of this, it was like um, a lot of different uh, life 
experiences going on at one time. And I just kind of, at some point was like, you know, this is, this is too much. I'm just, something is not right. Like there must be a better way of moving through this. There must be a better way of experiencing this. And, um, and I did spend a decent amount of time getting very, uh, you know, kind of down, like, I'm just going to stop everything. I'm not going to do triathlon. I'm not going to do like regular life. I'm just going to hide, you know, in a hole <laughs> somewhere and, and do menopause. Um, Were you sleeping? Yeah, I was not. I mean, all of it was just kind of affected. Yeah. It wasn't a lot of sleep. There definitely, you know, it was a lot of like um, all those things that kind of culminate and kind of come together to. And you definitely sound like you lost your mojo. Oh Yeah. Like when you say that, I'm like, that is Mojo just walked out. Oh, the door. totally. Like, I'm not going to do this thing anymore. Totally. <laughs> Screw this myself, thing. <laughs> you know, this is this is ridiculous. Why am I doing this? And and I do a lot of journaling, and I started journaling, and I started asking myself the questions like, why am I wanting to leave triathlon? Why am I wanting to hide? Why? You know, I kept asking why's. And throughout my life, I have had a um, a draw to. Uh, understand the primal reasons for things. And in my journaling, I was asking the whys. And what kept coming up is, what are the primal answers for these things? You know, I mean, what are, what, what's, you know, my, my daughter had a baby, that's an extremely primal thing that, you know, everybody went through. Um, and of course, she went through the most. Um, I'm in menopause, which women have been doing since we've been alive. So what is the deal with this? There must be like a reason, like there must be a real primal reason for this. And, you know, I just started soul searching and thinking and asking a lot of people a lot of questions. Of course, there's the science and there's a lot of great science out there. And there's a lot of great stuff that um, people are putting out, you know, this is how, what happens in menopause, but, and that was very interesting. And I went through both of Dr. Stacy Sims's classes. I think I was in the first menopause class that Stacy did because I was like, I need information. And that was fantastic and useful, but it was more of a primal thing that I was searching for. So really in my question and answering it was like finding a more, you know, the deeper reasons for things. And what I found, some of the most important things that I found is that menopause is a rite of passage. So through time and for humans, we have these different stages of rites of passage. And uh, you know, rite of passage is anything that we experience or birth or create or something that completely changes us. We're a completely different person from before creating or birthing that or experiencing that. So we are the new updated versions of ourselves. So some examples would be... Uh, Menarch, so the first period, right? That's a rite of passage. That's a very important, you know, rite of passage. Uh, birth, right? Either your own birth, obviously, <laughs> or, you know, giving birth. And menopause was a rite of passage or is a rite of passage. And I had not seen it that way. I'd seen it, I was, I was viewing it as something that is um, annoying and upsetting and, you know, all those things that we're probably all of us listening to this are thinking, <laughs> like, what, you know, get me out of this. And, you know, one of the main things that really switched, that was the light switch for me, was um, seeing it as something that was happening for me, not to me. So you know, in our modern Western society, oh, poor women are going through menopause. Oh, you know, we feel so bad for them and this is happening to them and, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
what if we see that as something that's happening for me, which was a very important switch for me, and, and what it's doing for me is allowing me to step back into my primal self, back into a more visceral kind of physical power, you know, uh, and and back into something that is a healing experience and and forces me to kind of come back to a more um, kind of a coming home to myself. And that kind of covers to me that covers both the emotional, the spiritual and the physical. So this rite of passage is sort of a a healing process and instead of seeing it as something that needs to be solved or something that needs to be fixed it it's like in in you know in indigenous cultures these rite of passages are incredibly important because in a rite of passage you're learning and you're becoming something new and if we don't allow ourselves to become something new, which is what I was not doing. I was holding on to like old self, right? Just holding on to all those old things. And if I wasn't allowing myself to become something new and to learn from my experience through menopause, then I was basically putting a wall up, which is which was basically I found eventually was creating, you know, symptoms that didn't actually need even need to be there. So I found as I just kind of um, allowed more, I was able to um, bring down just everything pretty much. You know, my hot flashes started diminishing. Um, anxiety was the first thing to just start, you know, regulating and coming down. And that was all. And, and so this is kind of the beginning of, of what I was talking about you know, on my social media and stuff that you saw, which is just kind of the rewilding process. And then, and then there are actual things that I did, right, to actually make sure right. that I was, that was gonna be my next question, like the mindset, like, I love what you're saying, because even if you, you weren't thinking of it in that lens, when you switch your mindset, and the, what, the first thing you said is what happens, your anxiety goes down, we talk about that so much on the show, like you need, to, like, which can create stress, like, like, like you need to sort of get on top of your stress. You need stress management. And then when you feel stressed, you're like, oh my God, I need to get on top of the stress. Like, so if it's like the first domino you hit, like the knockoff effects of that are a lot of what you're saying. Oh, my symptomology has dropped. Well, huh. You know, I mean, so that is so interesting to me that, uh, that this is all, this is all happening, but in this, this very organic place so mindset change and then what actions follow and yeah um i agree with you the 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 anxiety portion of it once you bring that down you see more right you you can feel real things that are that are more healing uh, so once i understood the concept that this was a primal experience and this was actually supposed to be a more powerful healing experience, then obviously I relaxed a little bit more. <laughs> I was like, oh, I need to go over to the doctor every two seconds and figure out why I was having hot flashes. You know, it was is more of, okay, this is an, like you used a great word. This is an organic process. This is a, this is something we're supposed to be doing. Um, and so I, the very first thing that comes to me when I'm thinking primal is nature, right? Mm. So connecting back to nature was, was basically the very first thing I did. Um, it's interesting because it's, um, it's not just doing other things. It's also letting go of stuff. So as I stepped back into nature and made more connection with nature, which I can give you specifics on. Yeah, that'd um, be great. I also, in our modern Western society, we have so much, uh, you know, mostly technology that is 
overstimulating us in our prior kept thinking, okay, I am some primal woman from, you know, ancient times, what would I have around me? And what would I not like, I really kind of get into it. I was like role playing here. <laughs> it actually turned into a kind of fun. Let's experiment. I love I'm so curious about things. I'm like, let's experiment and see what really happens. So okay, if I am this primal woman, I do not look at my smartphone all the time. <laughs> this is not something I should be doing. I should not be watching Netflix shows that like make me anxious. You know, I should not be listening to music that makes me anxious. I should be doing more primal things. So I I was kind of moving those things aside at the same time as stepping back into nature. And I've always done some nature connection things like in my triathlon land, I do water ceremonies before doing open water swim. So this was not brand new, completely new concept to me. So yeah, I'll do a, a, a gratitude to the water and asking the water to help me in my swim and thank you for here and just do a real like, you know, nature connection thing. So I started really grabbing on more to that. And I would walk out onto the earth in my backyard with bare feet. I would go in the morning to witness the sunrise, which is a great, um, you know, uh, circadian rhythm thing. And, and even if it was like raining and freaky and cold outside, at least I would open the window, you know, and feel that fresh air because it, 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 it does say it is scientifically proven that you need to have something in the morning that is direct real sunlight, even if it's dark outside. And, you know, so I was kind of regulating my circadian rhythms with the whole acknowledging the sunrise and acknowledging the sunset. Um, another major thing that I did that uh, started really making a difference is getting back into my moon work. So connecting to the phases of the moon. And I then found out through some readings and some uh, things like that, that really in some indigenous cultures, when women lose their cycle, their blood cycle, they move to the cycle of the moon and acknowledging the cycle of the moon, which gives you then something to, you know, basically move through with a cycle instead of just being completely empty, like no cycle at all. So that is, what does that mean exactly? Like, I like yeah. that idea, but like what, so, what is. So in, so I'll explain the moon work because I think it's just so empowering. So during the full moon, uh, traditionally, traditionally meaning like, you know, real ancient stuff uh, during the full moon, you release what's no longer things that may be holding you back that are no longer useful for your growth and your healing. And some people do that. I do that through the process of um, oftentimes I light a little fire. I have a little camp stove thing that's like tiny and I light a little fire and you can like write on a piece of paper, the things that you oh, do. Yeah, this is really fun. Mm -hmm. You write the things that you would like to release so that you're, you're having an intentional experience and in that intentional experience. You're, you know, moving yourself through whatever it is you need to move through to get to the other side. I find when I do those, they're just incredibly powerful. So, you know, you write on a piece of paper, something you want to let go of or something that's holding you back or something you don't need to take into your next month or your life. And you burn that in the, in the fire. And it's a more visceral experience because you're burning something in the fire. You're not just writing in a journal. I let go of blah, blah, blah. And and, and then in the full moon, you know, you're just sort of sitting there in your intention of how do you want your life to be right now and going forward. In the new moon, it's, it's new. So it's all about creating what you want to create. So you can also do a little fire thing or a water thing or something that includes the elements and that. But it's um, usually traditionally the new moon is a start of something. 
So it's again an intention, an intentional experience. You know, you're like forcing yourself to really think about what you want to create and what you want to let go of. And using those cycles, you know, when you're after, you know, when you're menstruating, you're letting go, right? And so, you know, and then after menstruation, it's kind of like a creation again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we don't have that once you hit postmenopause. So, you know, using the moon work is a great kind of step back into, but in an even more powerful way of intentions. Gotcha. Yeah. Love that. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tifosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like Feisty Menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branch chain amino acids, Plus, even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Prevenex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Prevenex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. Um, on You know, also the more... It's interesting because I see our journeys in endurance sports as um, as a primal experience. Everybody that mm -hmm. is has stepped into some sort of journey in endurance sports, like hiking, even or or anything that is an endurance oriented thing, is answering a call to tether back to your primal I and mean, that's how i see it so when mm -hmm. you're um when you're doing that you're basically kind of rewilding you know he, he, traditionally rewilding is taking um a an animal or a plant or something and and putting that back into its native um habitat so the way that I'm seeing it is I'm like rewilding. I'm taking myself as this woman <laughs> out of this modern Western society that we're in now. And I'm going back into my natural habitat. <laughs> right, kind of right. No, it, you know, and so I've been trying to. So what I was doing is figuring out these ways to go back into my natural habitat. And obviously nature was a major part of it. The moon work and then also nutrition. I was just going to ask that. Did you change your nutrition or training oh, at all? Huge, is... because nutrition in, um, in menopause, obviously, we're getting 
so much information. You should be eating, <laughs> eating that. And then you should be having this within this two second period. And, you know, just all this <laughs> it's just, you know, a little bit confusing. Uh, I went through, you know, this was not a perfect process. I went through like so many iterations and so many like trials of what's going to work. And finally I stepped back and said, wait a minute, I'm still doing this primal rewilding thing. Um, you know, it was sort of like, okay, I'm going to rewild and go outside and look at the full moon and I'm going to do these things. And then I would go back and eat like whatever, you know? So it was like, wait a minute, this is all one package. This is just, you know, one side of thing. And so what came to me was what was my, what are my ancestors eating? What were my ancestors going way, way back? What were they eating? There, there must be some, again, I just kind of kept asking, there must be some answer to this more primal experience that I'm having. So I had already had a DNA test, not, not 23andMe, but just like a basic DNA, like where are you coming from? You know, which part of the earth do your ancestors go back? And I already knew because um, I have a pretty easy line to, to see back. There was not a lot of mix. My mother is uh, French and my uh, father is Italian. So that's pretty Mediterranean. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and my, I have a lot of French genes, which go way, way, way back. So I started thinking about, well, maybe I should really be eating more of what my genes and my ancestry you know, uh, was, was taking in. So I started really just eating more Mediterranean and eating. And what was fascinating is then I became very interested in the kind of herbs that were grown, that are native to those areas. And, and then I started researching what do these herbs actually do inside the body? And I also found out that in each culture, there are herbs and foods that are doing the same ish things for people, right? It's, it's pretty fascinating, uh, but they're just different, right? And they're different for those people of those cultures. Right. Everybody found their way to take care of their gut microbiome, yes. to lower inflammation, to get their, like all the diets to combine the foods that made the protein, like whether it be beans and rice or whatever it looks like, I've always been fascinated by that, that every culture has sort of found that in their food. Totally fascinating. Yeah. I mean, that is just really could I could just take, you know, college courses in that for like years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So, so that is exactly it. You know, I found things like the beans and um, sage, which was naturally growing there. Um, basil, you know, all these things that are just doing important things in your body. So I started cooking with them and I actually started growing them in my garden so that I could just, you know, snip them off and stick a bunch of it in whatever I'm making. And then I also hired a nutritionist to just kind of get me more balanced, not a sports nutritionist, but a very, somebody who was very in tune with what I was talking about with my rewilding and, and things like that. And she basically helped me with um, just those very basic things, portion sizes. And, you know, this is kind of what you would have been eating and this is what you should be, you know? Uh, And there was no limitation of things or you shouldn't have this and you should have, it was just more like, okay, we're going to take those list of things that are coming from your ancestry and we're going to use them. Um, And that was a huge realization and, and also healed a bunch of trauma I had had in me about food because I had, you know, just always had a challenging relationship with food through my whole life as many of us have. (laughs) Yep. Just did a whole show right before you on that. So, And, And that was a, that was a healing process. I mean, just, you know, it was more like, it's so freeing. Yeah. It was like, Oh, this is who I am. And as this whole thing, I mean, it's all works together, right? So as I'm becoming more of my primal and rewilding myself, I'm healing everything at the same time, because it's also allowing me to step into trusting myself and step into 
knowing that I actually know what I need and, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm able to slow down enough uh, while I'm in nature. And, you know, I'll go, there are a few other things like meditations and things where, you know, my, my primal self, so to speak, was sort of coming back up. So I was able to trust my own intuitive senses and not feel like everything, especially in menopause, everything was outside. All the answers were outside of me instead of inside. Right. Um, yeah, it's the, the nutrition part of it was huge. The training, which you asked about, this is really fascinating because I, when I was going through menopause, I was like, I need to stop training. This is just like... I'm going to get slower. Like I already had all these things. I'm going to get slower. I'm going to be less strong saying that instead of weak, I am going to, you know, just suffer. There's going to be so much more suffering. Um, What I did was actually the opposite. Once I started rewilding because I was feeling more balanced and I was feeling more, I don't know what's a good way to put it, just more confident in who I was instead of just trying to be something else. It's a strange thing to describe. It's like um, I felt, well, I felt happier and I felt balanced. So things became clearer. So what I did was I actually upped my training. I hired an amazing badass coach and uh, told her exactly all the stuff that I've been through and what I'm going through and what I want to create. And we just went at it. So my training went up like big time. And as my training went up, it was like stepping into my power through physical strength. And it was just an amazing experience. So I was doing the opposite of what I thought I was going to do. (laughs) menopause and all of this created like like in training I actually created faster numbers I was I was swimming faster um and my run actually became faster and stronger now I was not like an elite athlete (laughs) very tippity top you know pointy end of things So, you know, that could be measured all different kinds of ways, but I was still working hard. I mean, I was doing, you know, a decent amount of training. I was sort of middle of the pack, 70.3 racer in. You mean before you're rewilding? Like, yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, I started doing this, we had the pandemic situation. And then when races started opening up again in 2021, I did um, a sprint race. I did an Olympic race. I won my age group in both of those. Boom, boom. Just won them, right? Um, and, and just started seeing these badass numbers. And I feel like a part of it, so much of it has to do with the rewilding and you know, kind of connecting back to my primal self, which then triggers all these amazing things, right? Self-confidence and belief and deeper belief in, in what's possible. Um, and as I learned, I learned through listening and asking, continually asking, what are the primal reasons for these? I learned eventually, and I think this might have been on your show before, of the five, um, you know, kind of, I don't even know, not species, but five uh, mammals who go through menopause. Yeah, it has been on yeah. the show. Yeah. And, and through that learning this, you know, the scientific reasons, of course, with the whales, I think that's been on your show, um, learning the scientific reasons why we're, we're still here post-menopause. And Mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. I tapped into that in my journey as an athlete, it was incredibly important because the reasons are 
physical and, you know, obviously wisdom is huge because the, you know, I'll just go through it real quick. The, the, in looking at the, the whales, um, the grandmother whale uh, actually is the one who finds the food, decides what food, understands all the cycles of the ocean, knows when to migrate, knows when not to, and is the one that keeps the, her family alive. And that's a physical process and a wisdom thing. So to me, it's like, okay, you know, this, this is a physical thing. Also looking back into ancient, ancient, ancient times, um, the, the postmenopausal women were actually the gatherers. They did help take care of grandchildren, which anybody that's listening that has toddler grandchildren, this is, this is a physical process. <laughs> Sure is. <laughs> My toddler grandchild lives with us, and it's just like a swoop him up, pick him up. He shouldn't be doing that, or you know, all all kinds of physical things are going on. But they were in many indigenous cultures. They are the um, the gatherers and the makers of things. So we have a a physical strength, a physical reason to be here. And, and as we go through a modern Western society and hit menopause, and we don't know any of that. We're into the, we're just having to deal with, you know, the, the current narrative of you're in menopause, you're no longer useful, you're going to be weak, you should just hide and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and primal wise, it's the opposite. You know, mm -hmm. there's a, um, a Native American saying that uh, that I really love. I'm going to read it to you. At Monarch, at Menarch, a girl meets her power. So Menarch is when you get your first period. So at Menarch, a girl meets her power. Through menstruation, she practices her power. And at menopause, she becomes her power. So in native cultures and in indigenous cultures, that's how that rite of passage is received. And for me, kind of circling back to my experience, the current narrative, you know, I was pushing against things and pushing against things. And it just wasn't like, it just felt so wrong. So stepping back into that rewilding um, was important. The, the first thing that I did in rewilding obviously was the nature thing, but also you had mentioned um, bringing down the anxiety. The very first thing on my list was, um, was basically to do that. Like my, uh, anxiousness response. I don't know. What's the word for that? It's the, um, you know, the adrenal system gets overloaded and the fight or yeah. flight. You mean the, uh, it was just really pronounced. Like it just didn't feel right to me. So I did a tremendous amount of breath work, a lot of, um, a lot of meditation and sometimes, and, and what I did was I played with when I felt a hot flash coming on or I felt like, you know, some anxiousness kind of growing, I would stop whatever I was doing and do breath work or meditation because I was so curious as to how effective that would be. And it was like extraordinary. It just, just boom, just brought it right down, brought it right down. Uh, so that was, that was pretty fascinating. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. 
Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot, and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos, and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support, and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the Otter is stuffed, with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and Otter's taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play, all caps, one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. Um, you had also mentioned in, in one of our correspondence that you listened to sleep stories, which I thought was interesting because I had started to do that too. And it's actually pretty delightful. I, I, what was funny is I'd keep having to like re-listen to the same one over and over because I'd fall asleep and I wouldn't know what happened to the bear. You know, I'd be like, what happened to the great white bear? I have no <laughs> idea. I just drifted off. <laughs> That's so true, though. That's what happened. That's why sleep stories are so great. <laughs> well, it, and in keeping with the what did we used to do? We used to sit around a fire and tell stories, right? Is the way that I saw it. Like we used to sit, you know, we, we did relaxing things in the evening. <laughs> you yeah. know, we didn't. Played some, played some cards. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. yeah. And even during, you know, indigenous cultures, you'd sit around the fire and you tell stories. And yeah. so, you know, going into your imagination and into listening to somebody tell you a story is just such a soothing thing. And I know that I use the Calm app and uh, I know there's a lot of different ways that you can get sleep stories because it's become a thing now. Yeah. Aura Ring has them now. That's where I where? picked up some of mine. Aura Ring has a, on their app, they have sleep stories too now. A lot of, there are a lot of places. You can yeah. And, and that's the whole, that's what's so funny is you're like, you know, some people, when they first start sleep stories, they're like, oh, I'm just going to be too stimulated. I'm going to stay up listening because I'm so fascinated. Usually they're not stories that you're going to stay up and be like on the edge of your. Yeah. It's not a Stephen no. King thriller. Or anything. <laughs> no. So it's just like a soothing, like I do a lot of the travel stories, like you're traveling by train through Ireland or something. Right. Right. You know, right. I make it, you know, halfway through Ireland and I'm done. Like, you know. And yeah. then I said, when I wake up in the morning and, and I, first time I look at my phone, it's like, are you still asleep? Would you like to listen to another story? <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> that would be a lot of hours later. But yeah, sleep was was a big one. And so using things like sleep stories, I mean, all of it is common sense. It's like, you know, but but it's but it's change. That's that's a message that I would like to give people is it's not just one tiny change because our modern Western society is more than one tiny change <laughs> of things from our primal selves, right? It's, it's a lot of, you know, you have to look at the whole picture of what you're doing on a daily basis that is maybe overstimulating because to me, menopause is this amazing invitation to step back into, you know, to rewild yourself. And we just, most people just try to, and I was doing this at first, just trying to piecemeal things, right? Oh, I'm just going to um, not do this. I'll look at my phone a little less, maybe it'll whatever, right? Or, yeah, I get outside for my training. Well, getting outside for your training and this like, you know, run is fantastic, but maybe also go outside and stare at a flower for like two minutes or something that brings your nervous system down. You know, I think a lot, I was thinking that before I was like, well, you know, I swim and I run outside. So that's, you know, I'm getting outside, but no, that's not, that's not real primal stuff, right? That's not real rewilding. That's helpful. And a lot of people are staring at, um, devices when they're doing those things maybe not swimming but like you know you know like a lot of people are looking at their bike computer or looking at their watch I mean there's it's not always an immersive wilding experience yeah yeah so it's really a rewilding of of you know as a woman you know and you're you know and even though your journey maybe didn't start with the goal of having whatever outcomes happen, the outcomes that you sent to me are rather pronounced. I mean, you know, you had lost 17 pounds, you, you're approaching some of your fastest times, you are 100% happier. I mean, that all is a product of this journey, right? That you that you went through. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, it's the timing is amazing. Because uh, I started my rewilding process and, you know, all of it kind of at the same time, I started the rewilding process. I changed my nutrition to rewilding. I upped my training because I was like, you know, Hey man, I'm stronger and I'm going to be stronger. And within a few months, there were huge changes I mean, really huge changes. So the first thing that changed was my um, hot flashes just diminished, 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 just became less and less. Um, a, you know, any kind of anxiousness was completely under control. And I was, like you had mentioned, I was, I was just grounded and happier. Like it was just a different me. Um, and then... I just started hitting numbers that I was just sh- I, like, I remember writing in my training peaks, I am shocked that this <laughs> run happened. Like, and I did this little, you know, I did whatever, a 5k race. I had no idea I could hit those numbers again. Like it was just, it was a, it was a pace that was completely out of my scope of what I thought was, was possible for me again. And it just, and then from that race, it just kept getting faster. I would do these, she'd have me do these, you know, run tests. And it was just like amazing. My system was more balanced. Like everything in my body was clearly more balanced. Uh, You know, did you feel like you could recover from those workouts? Totally. Better. Totally. That's why my, um, that's why my training could go up because my recovery right. was like, you know, it, it wasn't per, it wasn't a perfect process. Right. Like my, my sleep was like on average, uh, 
seven hours and 45 minutes to eight hours at first. And every once in a while, I'd get some crazy, stupid sleep that wasn't really good. Usually because, yeah, usually because uh, like I could, I write a lot of notes in my training peaks. And usually it was because of some stressful thing that was going on or, you know, somebody who was exposed to COVID in our house and like, oh, crap, <laughs> what we, you know, all that, all that stuff we're dealing yeah. with in real life. And then it would be three days of like hell, but you know, we were all going through that kind of stuff and that would happen. But during this whole pandemic, I'm going through this rewilding process. So that's kind of a reminder that I'm going through menopause. My daughter had this baby. She, they live with us. And so we have a toddler, an infant, and then a toddler in the house, and we have the pandemic. And during that whole thing, I did my rewilding and accomplished loss of weight, brand new numbers, <laughs> um, winning my age group at races, which was like an unheard of thing. Like I don't even, couldn't even think about that before. Uh, and just... A, an absolutely happier, stronger self, just so much more grounded. I love the whole story. I, I, I think I'd like maybe to put a bow on it by if someone has been listening to this and it's just like bells are going off and light bulbs are clicking on. What, what would you say would be the first step that she would want to take if she is interested in, you know, taking the same journey? I would say maybe two things. The first thing is to truly understand that going through menopause is an absolutely beautiful and amazing rite of passage that you should celebrate. So you're understanding that it's something that's happening for you instead of to you. I think that's the, that was the turning point for me. And there's a lot of things that you can look up on that. So maybe just start immersing yourself in that concept and that understanding because there are a lot of um, very brilliant people writing about that concept out there. Um, the next thing is to make a list of the things that you can do to rewild yourself. I mean, obviously I've, listed some of the things that I've done, but, uh, but start making that list of what you can actually do, you know, starting with bringing down your adrenal system and, and doing things like more than just one meditation. If you need more than one meditation, then do more than one meditation. If you need breath work, then do more than one breath work a day and step outside into real nature. Um, I feel for women, because it's not something generally people are doing a lot, adding in that moon work can be very powerful because it's a, it's a new thing for many people. And you're standing there looking up at the full moon and you're just you're going to get some feelings and some power and some information from yourself right there, right on that. And you can look that up. That's, that's an easy thing to find. Also, there's some great, you know, ways to start connecting into that cycle of the moon and that will bring you back, you know, into our natural world, you know, our, our real, our, where we're rewilding ourselves, right? Back into our own natural habitat. We're supposed to be looking at the moon. We're supposed to be acknowledging the sunrise and the sunset. And those visceral experiences will help you feel different. When you then go inside and pick up your phone, you'll be like, hmm, <laughs> this, is, this is maybe not exactly where I want to be. I was a little happier looking at that sunrise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's a healing process. It's a, it's a, it, but it also has to do with letting go of things. You know, I was very conscious and I hope that you will be too, if you're listening and this is interesting to you of things that would trigger you that aren't wild. Like what are you watching in the evening? Right. 
what are you listening to? What do you, what do you, what's triggering you? What's maybe making more anxious, you know, um, and moving that away and not doing that, listening to that sleep story instead, trying those different things. Uh, it's a, it's a natural thing. I mean, menopause is some, is a place where you can learn about yourself and you, it's a strange thing to describe because it's not like you can, I'm not telling you, you can control all of your, um, uh, you know, hot flashes and whatever else you're experiencing, but you actually kind of can. There's science behind that, that, that how cultures regard menopause has a profound effect on how women experience it. And, you cannot necessarily control your culture, but you can control your personal culture, which is pretty much what you are talking about here. And you can surround yourself with people who, who participate in that change with you. You know, I mean, it sounds like you kind of did this solo, but I feel like you could try to find a friend to do it with. I mean, we had a friend of mine, it's not quite the same, but I'm very into the moon too. And a friend of mine wanted, had, she wanted to do a naked bike ride on the full, full moon. And, you know, so like there were three of us as women and one, you know, has just had a baby or she, well, she's ready to have a baby. But like we went up to the top of the mountain and like got naked and rode our mountain bikes and then went swimming naked and just celebrated the moon and talked. And it was like so amazing, you know, and, and I think that and I've done the rituals where you, you burn the papers. But I think like. Even if, if someone's listening, like, oh, this sounds so woo-woo or whatever, it's still an intentionality. Like, it's still like it brings you back to, like, reflection, you know, which is what the moon is all about, is reflecting. Ah. Um, I'm named after the Greek goddess of the moon, by the way. So I'm really into my dad taught mythology, so I'm very oh, into wow. this stuff. But, wow. um, yeah. But, yeah, the, I mean, it, there's there's a lot to explore there that is good for you. You just said something that was so important because uh, one thing that I didn't mention is I took myself out of people and groups and being surrounded by, by women that were going through menopause that um, were constantly talking about problems and sort of, um, you know, fueling the narrative if you will right so i purposely did a bunch of things solo because i hadn't yet found anybody that wanted to kind of rewild with me but i did you know there are people that you can listen to and there are some um there are more women than you think that want to do what you did with the bikes <laughs> <laughs> up on that mountaintop, you know, I I had posted something like a bazillion years ago. It seems at this point, I was like, oh, you know, there's going to be a full moon, whatever it was. Um, I'm just, uh, I I just want to go and swim naked at whatever, um, you know, lake this was that I was saying, mm -hmm. you know, on this full moon because it just feels like. You wouldn't even believe how many personal messages I got. That sounds like the most amazing thing, Kirsten. Can I go with you? It, it didn't happen because we live in an area with a lot of smoke sometimes in the summer, and there was some. Right. But um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is. It seems woo woo, but this is actually ancestral. This is this mm -hmm. is what your ancestors did <laughs> at some point. So. It may seem new age, but this is the kind of thing that is actually rewilding. This is actual primal. This is going back to indigenous, you know, times where, where women did that. And if we can connect back to that, we're going to be able to move through menopause with this like tremendous power and come out on the other side as like these, you know, super powerful queens, if you will, of, you know. Goddesses, we'll call them goddesses. Let's just end it there. Like I like, yes. <laughs> yes, that is a that is a perfect place to uh put a pin on this. Thank you so much for sharing your your journey. Oh, you're so welcome. This has been a really fun conversation. Well, that's our show. Join me 
next week when I sit down for our first three-peat guest, who is actually our only repeat guest, Dr. Carla DiGirolamo. There is so, so, so much confusion right now about menopause hormone therapy, what it is, how it works, what's it good for, what's it not good for. We dive into all of it. And I learned a ton and feel so much more clear on this topic. So I'm really excited to bring you this one. So come on back next week. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends, and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.